The long-term play is to have a vision of orchestrating payouts. So for me, it's like the same in, like in 2013 when, when we started Easy Payment Gateway. This payout is going to become a huge thing. You know, I speak to many merchants, uh, marketplaces, and they all tell me the same. The way I acquire money is more or less solved. My problem now is payouts. You're listening to Leaders in Payments and Fintech, a podcast brought to you by Edgar Dunn & Company, the global payments and fintech consulting firm. Coming to you from the City of London, I'm your host, Martin Kodrish. And in this series, I'm meeting with leaders and practitioners across the industry to find out what it takes to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. My central question is, how can we commercialize and bring the benefits of ever deeper new technology to market in what continues to be a highly regulated industry? If you enjoy these interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. So enough of the intro, let's get straight into today's episode. This week, we meet with Jose Manuel Perel, who is Chief Sales Officer at Vengo. Devengo is a Madrid-based startup founded in 2020 that offers embedded payments, particularly enabling fast automated payouts using the very latest in real-time payment infrastructure, including SEPA Instant and UK's Faster Payment Service. Jose previously co-founded Easy Payment Gateway in 2013, from which he made a successful exit via a sale to Global Payments in 2020. He's also an active seed stage investor and has lots of tips and advice to share with payment and fintech founders. So I do hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jose. So I'm very pleased to have Jose Manuel Perel on the podcast this week. How are you doing, Jose? Very good. And thank you very much for the, for the invitation. Really honored to be here. So you've been in the um, payments and fintech industry for quite a while. You've got a bit of a track record as a, as a founder, uh, as an investor, um, and now you've joined an exciting new startup. Um, so there's a lot to discuss and, and, and share and, uh, and hopefully we can gain some insights from your, from your lessons that you've learned in your career journey to date. Um, I think that would be, be ideal. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've got about three or four core questions, but let's kick off with a brief introduction from yourself. Excellent. I'm, I'm Jose. Uh, I like to define myself as an entrepreneur. Um, I started my career on the, on the, um, advisory consultant uh, space um, until 2012, 13, where I, I met a really interesting guy called Alex um, that came from the, from the payments industry that he had developed a tool where basically you draw a flow chart on, on the screen, no code whatsoever. Um, and by drawing that flow chart, the, the, the system understood the roots or the logic of a, of a transaction. So basically, we were an orchestrator in 2012 where they were not orchestrators, not even the word. Um, we actually call it like payment hub or payment gateway. Um, and um, from, from there, I started my, my career in payments. So it was like 2012. We started a company called Easy Payment Gateway. Also, along my journey, I have done quite a bit few investments because luckily my network um, around me has started many companies in the, in the, in the FinTech, in the social network, in the startup world, let's, let's call it. And I had the chance to, to do early investments. Um, and also I am advisor of, to some projects, some FinTech projects, um, in Latin America or, or Europe and in Spain. Um, so yeah, I would, uh, I would say that that would be a good introduction of myself. And you're, you're currently based in Madrid, right? In Spain? Yes, I'm based in Madrid. Uh, right now, I'm in the in the south of Spain, in, in Marbella, where I was born. Uh, you know, uh, in the big city now, it gets a bit warm, so it's it's better to to work 
with the sea next to you. So right now I'm in, I'm in the south of, of Spain. All right, cool. So let's get to know Easy Payment Gateway, the, the background story to that um, and leading up to the exit, the successful exit, I'd like yeah. to add. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was a funny yeah. story. It was a, a really funny story because I basically I was doing M&A and, and tax fraud audit in PwC in Madrid and I quit my job um, and, and I came to, to my hometown. Uh, I, I knew some investors that were doing some investment in startups and he, one of them, Brandt Shia, he, he was, he's a huge investor from Israel. He told me that he had met this, this guy from, from, from London, actually that's living down here in, in Marbella. He had something in his mind. He has developed something, an MVP, uh, because Alex was, um, developer. Um, and we were, I went to, 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 to meet him and he showed me this, he only had this drag and drop tool. And I, I didn't have a clue about payments at that time, uh, but I saw something like special. Uh, so, so, I, so I, I decided to, to join, to join the, the team. I, I said to him, look, I want to not only join the team, but I want to invest, um, so I invested in the company and I joined him as his, as his co-founder also with, with Ruben, who was the, he was his right hand in, in the development side. It was a really a uh, huge ride. I mean, we started in, we started doing some commercial effort and getting the first clients at the uh, summer of 2014, and it was really a crazy ride. I mean, we got to grow really fast. Uh, mainly, uh, first of all, we started in the gambling industry. That normally in payments, the high risk verticals are the ones that really understand. Uh, the payments and the need of functionalities of new tools of not only for the, for the payments, but for fraud, ID verification, all these, all these high risk vertical sectors are the ones that really, uh, start all these ideas. And after it goes down to, to, to normal retail or e-commerce. So we started along the gambling industry, um, and we got clients like William Hill, GIG, Nectan, all really, really recognized brands. Um, and, and from that bit by bit, we, we moved into other low risk areas like, um, travel and we landed clients like eDreams who are processing only by themselves, nearly 1 billion. So it was really a huge success. And uh, the most difficult part there was, was that, as I mentioned before, uh, we were an orchestrator when there was no orchestrator. So right. to explain someone, you can reroute transactions, cards, transaction fail or have mistakes because many different reasons. And with this tool, you can like reroute them automatically, no code development. All those things were like, what's this? You know, it was really, it was really tough from the educational side, uh, to be honest. Um, but we get to grow really, really fast, uh, to process in, and you know, B2B sales, you know, they're tough, they're difficult. The, the selling cycles are always long. But in 2019, when we sold the company, we were processing nearly $5 billion uh, a year um, with no license. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't manage to get the license. We got it pre-approved in the UK, but we never got to activate it and do all, the, all that side uh, because we sold the company before. So it was a huge ride, huge ride. What was the, I mean, let's just kind of just clarify the, 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 the proposition, you know, when you, I mean, eDreams is a name you mentioned there. That's one that I'm familiar with, um, you know, 
um, for example. So you, you approached eDreams and you, you pitched the, the solution. What was your proposition? That, that was a, that's a funny story also behind because I go, I found the telephone number of the CFO. That's it. And, and I called him uh, and, I, and I said, oh, we have payment gateway. And it was complete luck because they were looking into payment gateways. They, right. they were looking to change. Uh, at the time, they had Adyen, um, and they were looking other options. Uh, so that, that was pure luck. I, I didn't have a clue. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah. I had him in LinkedIn. I did all these typical things that, that we all do. Uh, but I found the phone, I called, uh, and the guy just said, ah, yes, yes, actually, we, it's a good timing. So that, that, that's also very important. You need this timing. piece of luck. Sure. Timing is key. Timing is key because I think even if you have an awesome product, and unless you have something really special, uh, timing is, is even more important than a good product. You know, if you look at this, there was, was a perfect timing. So we went to Barcelona, we pitched them, and our, our main differentiation or value proposition was this this tool that I was mentioning that you draw on the on the screen a flowchart with no code and then you could you could draw you know normally big merchants work with 10, 15, 20, 30 acquirers. Um they work with six, seven, eight alternative payment methods. To be able to manage all this in a very visual way with no code, you didn't need a development team. You just didn't do the integration into us. Well, okay. One time. And then if you pass us all the correct parameters, you could just drag and drop boxes. So we really provided the power to the payment managers, the head of payments, uh, finance team, um, which I think is it's a pain, it's still a pain because you see the likes of Payrails in Germany. They've just raised last week 14 million being an orchestrator. Um, I mean, and uh, the, well, the end, the essence of this, what it does is provide the power to the business team because at the end of the day, all the development teams are really busy. They have a full roadmap. So you can really focus in your business. You don't need to, you know, ask for this developer to do, to do this, put it in the roadmap. No, it's all done with no code, drug and drop. Uh, and, and that, that was the, the, the value add. Um, did you have to go through, things. did you have to, as part of the sales cycle, did you have to go through a lot of proof of concepts yes. and demonstrations and. We went through a proof of concept, yes, but it was, it was at the end of the day, the, the decision was taken um, by three departments. And I think it's the same now in any company. Finance. So finance has to say, okay, finance was not only pricing. It was pricing, but it was only also reporting. Okay. Because they had a huge reconciliation, a lot of manual reconciliation that they wanted to fix. Uh, and with us, they could do it. So it was finance. It was uh, technical, is your API correct? That's also another important factor. And then the payment side. Okay. Do you have these acquirers? Do you have these payment solutions? Do you have this? Do you have that? Uh, so it was, it was, it was like three or four months. Once you get that in place, mm. then we do the negotiation of the contract. Right. That's another, with a huge company, that's another month, month and a half. Once that's done, then sign it. It also takes two, three weeks. Uh, and then, okay, let's start the integration. So um, until we saw one transaction of, of eDreams, it was like nine to 12 months. Wow. And the, the proof of concept, obviously the main payment methods was credit cards. Uh, they were not going to give us credit cards for the first thing. Obviously, they don't know you. That you, we, are, we are a startup competing against a monster like Adyen, like, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so they start, they, they pro, they, the first payment solutions that they they sent volume through us was Trustly, which is a big 
Swedish uh, solution. Um, we got like three, it was 0.3, 0.5 better success rate than Adyen. Uh, don't, don't ask me exactly why, because at the end of the day, the integration is, is the same, but uh, I guess this the code counts in, in having successful decline transactions, and we were, we were better. So after that, they said, okay, now we're going to send you our, our Barclays volume. Do you say so what? You're saying uh, 30 basis points improvement? Correct. Oh, well, that's massive. Correct. Correct. For them, for them, for Trustly, Trustly, I think they, they were doing like three, four, five million a month. So for them, it was that push up was, was good. Um, and after that, then they said, okay, now you're going to process our Barclays volume. You know, for Barclays, they were like processing like 600 million a year, something like that, uh, you know? So it was, it was step by step. Um, and I think it's, is it, if I was Adrian, I would have done it the same. At the end of the day, you're dealing with a startup, four years old. Who are these three young guys crazy that come to my office and say everything is automatic, everything, you don't need code. Right. Who are these guys? Well, that was you know, what, it, yeah, say that like 2015 or a bit later or... This was a bit later. This was, was 2017. So without jumping too far ahead, um, be curious, you know, what, what you think, how, how you think that sales cycle has changed? You know, if you were had to, if you, if you were doing that exact same pitch and sales cycle with eDreams today, do you think it would blow in the same way or the same time? I think, I see it will be even, I would think it will be, will take longer because. Longer? I tell you why. What yep, you going to say is, you might think no. it, it's more. No, because the there's two sides here. This, this, yes, that's yeah. a good thing. The industry has learned, absolutely, mm. with payrolls, mm. primer, all these guys, they have, the industry has learned. But also, also now, there's a lot of orchestrators. Right. There's a lot in the market. So right now, is the, there's, there's not those many projects or those many providers that are unique, you know? Mm. Now, now you have like 20 orchestrators. Now everyone is an orchestrator. Um, for at least for the pay-ins, so you know, it's, um, it's no longer a novelty, so, right? Yes, the education is there now. People understand. Hey, if I have five acquirers, I'm gonna get a better success rate. If I, you know, now people understand that. I need APMs. I need this. I need. But on the other hand, now there's not only at the end Stripe checkout. Uh, now you have Premier, you have payrolls, you have Notabed, you have Bridge, you have you have so many solutions out there, so many providers out there that are more or less the same fighting for the pay-ins right. that it's not, so it, it will be, it will be tough. It will right. be, so it will be really tough. Um, finishing off on Easy Payment Gateway, and I'd love to just briefly hear about the exit, um, but do you think, um, I mean, do you think you benefited from being early, um, an early orchestrator uh, or, or would you, do you think uh, the environment Again, is yes, more supportive now? Yes, yes, we would have really a lot if we would have keep the company. Um, I mean, the, mm. about the exit and I, and I related to the exit. Uh, the founders didn't want to sell their company. Yeah. We didn't want to sell in 2019. It was right. way too early. We should have sold it in 2000 now and we would have done us uh, uh, five, six, seven times what we, what we've done, what we did. Uh, the thing is, and this was, uh, this is uh, uh, something that I learned. Uh, mm. Investors are really important. Yeah. Investors are really important, really. They can oblige you to do things that you don't want. Uh, and this was our case because we had investors that didn't come from the industry. They didn't come from the fintech industry. They came from B2C uh, startups. And, you know, B2B is long. 
it takes time. It, it, time. You need to insist. You need to really be there. You need to have the perfect timing in many things. So when we were, you know, in 2019, we were processing like 5 billion, but our revenues, because we didn't have the license, was only like $4 million. So really small. Um, and they, they were like worried. They were like, we need to get to break even. We need to, you know, and I did a full analysis about fintechs in that time when they reached break even. And the first one was Stripe. He did it because he had the license. So he was charging three, 4% to his clients, which is a lot of money. Um, uh, others like, for example, um, TransferWise, which is now Wise, they didn't get to break even until after 10 years. Mm. And it's normal when you're, char- when you're a technology provider, you charge cents in a transaction. It, 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 it just takes time. Um, Obtaining that license, do you think that that's um, that's critical? Then you know, for, yeah. for founders or, or investors or what have you, looking at this space, yeah, because you yes, need to increase to your margins, yes, approval. Mm. Yeah, because we wanted to do, we didn't have, we didn't have a product for startups. Mm. Okay, startups want to connect to you, and that's it. They have no knowledge in payments. They would just that, that's why Stripe is doing so well. You know, they can charge three percent because at the end of the day, when you begin start a business online. You don't really, your focus is not costs, okay? Your focus is, let's see if I can get traction in the market. Let me see if I can go well, if I can grow fast. So people don't look at, oh, Stripe is charging me 3%. So we we had that same strategy. That's why we had it pre-approved. But at the end of the day, we sold the company. So the first thing, my advice would be pick investors that know your industry. They need to know your industry because then they're going to know your pain points, your difficulties, and the good and the good thing you're doing. They're going to value the good things you're doing. So be aligned with your investors. Pick the one, pick investors that really know the industry, yeah. that know your verticals, uh, because at some point you, they can oblige you to do things you don't want to do. And if they understand the industry, they will know what you're going through. Okay. Um, and and the exit was really was a bank from Spain, uh, Santander. And global payments in the U.S. They they push some money in the table, and they the, the founders didn't have anything to say. Basically, uh, I didn't want to sell. I didn't want to sell. I actually left the board even before uh, sold to avoid problems because many investors were friends and are friends. Um, so I left. But and it was a good story, and it was a you know it was a huge learning and a huge experience. I mean, yeah. we had a opportunity to learn a lot in the, of the payments industry, met many people, many VCs, et cetera, et cetera. So it was super cool adventure and successful. Right. Okay. Let's uh, move on to the next topic. So yep. your latest um, venture, right? Um, Davengo is all around payouts, I understand. Correct. I mean, so tell uh, me about uh, business and why you think, you know, payouts is, is an opportunity to focus on right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I joined the project with this project is, is founded from two Syrian entrepreneurs, Fernando Caballas Delphi and Alberto Monpeceres. Um, and I, when, when Fernando told me about this in Christmas, I was, I, I, I fell in love because I, I see the payouts like the pay-ins in 2014, 2014, 2015, like everyone has solved. Okay. I'm going to work with this acquirer. I'm going to work with PayPal. I'm going to work with this and that more or less everyone has that solved. And there's many suppliers, like I mentioned yeah. before, gateways and orchestrators that connect you to all these things. But what about payouts? Mm. Now, the, the world is becoming more global. Um, the world is becoming instant. Everyone 
wants to receive the money. It's, you know, in the UK, you have faster payments. In Spain, we have something called Bithum, where you send money peer-to-peer instantly. So everyone is getting used to this. Um, and the regulation of instant payments is happening now. So the rails of instant payments is happening now. In Europe, we have SEPA. In UK, you have faster payments. In the Nordics, they still don't have rails. There was this P27 yeah. um, uh, schema that's not going to happen. So when Fernando told me, look, we're going to get the license, the, the long-term play is to have a, the, the vision of orchestrating payouts. So for me, it's like the same like in 2013 when, when we started Easy Payment Gateway with, with Alexander Rent. This payout uh, is going to become a huge thing. You know, I speak to many merchants, at marketplaces, and they all tell me the same. No, my, the way I acquire uh, money is more or less solved. My problem now is payouts. Well, now, what is the challenge? I... What's the problem there? What are your merchants, your clients telling you is the problem that you're looking to solve? Right now, the clients we have, I want to get instantly paid because the, the customers, right. the merchants, we, the Ringo does, what the Ringo does is B2B and B2C payments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can issue an IBAN to businesses. And from this IBAN, you can do instant payouts. Okay. To Business, other businesses or to consumers uh, in the way we can do easy reconciliation, blah, blah, blah. So the problem right now is that people are used to get paid in a peer-to-peer way instantly. You know, when you do a bank transfer, there's two days that you don't see your money. So mm. that creates insatisfaction in businesses. Also, I'll give you a real example, for example. Um, when you do a refund with a card, that refund takes... It can take, according to Visa MasterCard, up to 30 days. If someone doesn't receive his money instantly, the first thing he does is put a ticket in support. Every ticket to a company is 50, 60 euros worth of someone solving the problem. And many times you can't. Um, after I sold the Easy Payment Gateway, I did some consultancy for different payment companies uh, and e-commerce like Bangos and Dandero, for example, to Cabify. In Cabify, there was like, 80,000 tickets every month, payments related. It's the number one issue for companies. Because obviously, where's my money? (laughs) Everyone is worried about their own money. So where's my money is something that uh, everyone is worried about. So provide with the instant functionality. So I send money to you, and in less than 10 seconds, it's in your phone, and you have a real-time notification that you received it, and that, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely a value add, like for, yeah. for verticals like micro lending, where you ask for money and you need it quick, or salary advance companies, mm-hmm. or marketplaces that marketplaces need to play need to pay the the supply uh, to insure takes to pay the claims to crypto exchanges to do on ramp and off ramps. You know, there's many many verticals that need payouts. Um, so uh, that's why that's why when, when Fernando told me all they had developed and what they had in mind, I I just decided to to join absolutely quickly. For me, it was a no brainer. So um, I mean, and your solution is based on the emerging bank rails that you mentioned, the faster payments, the the separate instant rails, right? Correct, correct, yeah. correct. There are competing products solutions on the card rails, like direct to card, uh, as well as virtual card, particularly the B two B space. What's your view on the sort of competing solutions out there? Well, for me, it's a it's a no brainer. I mean, cards 
has a really high cost, but can fail. You know, um, an a, a bank transfer, an A to A, um, account to account payment only fails two percent of the time. Credit cards, ten, ten percent more or less. The expenses, interchange fees, it's a no-brainer. And actually, this is why Visa, Mastercard have their own internal strategy on A to A payments. They are acquiring companies, you know, like Mastercard acquired uh, payment initiator like AIIA, uh, Visa acquired Think. You know, there's, they, they are not promoting it mm. because obviously a lot of their revenues comes from cards, 90% of their income from cards. But it's something that bit by bit, and you can see this from many studies, uh, pay by card is not decreasing because it's growing, but it's slowing down. And other payment methods like A to A payments are becoming huge. Uh, and mainly because of cost, it's instant and it fills less time, you know? So for, for me, it's like, it's a, the, the only thing that the A to A payments have that that's always going to take a bit of time to, to become so popular with cards is because they don't have like a, like two huge private companies like Visa, Mastercard pushing, putting marketing in the, in the market and, and all these things. So that I think it will take a bit of time. But it, it absolutely is going to be, it's going to be huge. It's, it's, you know, the market, I think the last report I read was that right now the, the global market is over 500 billion and in four or five years, it's going to like double. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be the next big, and, and that's why Visa Mastercard are acquiring these type of companies, getting the position over there. They are preparing themselves because obviously they want to keep being relevant, you know? Sure. Of course. Yes. Yeah, a challenge for them. Uh, of course, so, um, correct. Because uh, uh, and, and you mentioned their their names being hugely important and influential from a sort of brand perspective and trust point of view. I mean, is that how, how, from a Devengo point of view and other startups in this space? Um, you know, to what extent is trust and brand re relevant and important to you? It's key. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's the most important thing is brand. Um, is, is this thing right. that. It is, it is. At the end of the day, it's what... Because, I mean, you, you uh, might think that on the payout side, B2B, perhaps brand is less relevant. Right, but at the end, at the end it's moving, moving money. Uh, people need to trust your company, your size, what you're doing, um, and being having a good backend so that money, that your system actually works. Mm. That that's, that's, I'm not going to say a commodity, but that has to happen. I mean, right. I think... What it's, I'm going to tell you another way. It's if you have a bad API, but you have a good brand, cool. it's easy to sell. If you have, if you have a very good API, but uh, a brand that no one knows, your sale is going to be tough. Uh, yeah. you know? I mean, in my mind, in a way, the, the way we're, where we're at in the industry is there's some, some of the technology is you know, to some extent commoditized, right? Or it's moving in the direction of commodity. And um, to outperform your competitors, you, you probably need to focus on commercial excellence and yes. go to market, you know, and I think that's probably where the difference, where, where there's a difference between success um, and outperforming your competitors. So I mean, uh, on the I mean, what, what, what's your, how do you guys go about go to market commercial strategy and what's your, what's your, um, right now as a, as a startup, what we're trying to do is doing partnerships with, um, companies that already have their own clients. Like we're going to marketplaces, we're going to insure tech platforms, we're going to acquirers. So we're going to to merchants or businesses 
that as part of the value proposition, the payment plays a very important role over there. Uh, so in our portfolio of clients, we have a very big uh, payments and salary advanced companies uh, like Bayflow or Job and Talent. Uh, like we are working with uh, an Aquara or Pinopain. We're working with Insurtex like Barkibu, just did a round of investment of six million. So we now try to really do like a sniper strategy and really go to uh, platforms that on the other side, they have the sales team. So if they grow, we grow, okay? Um, because right now, the commercial team is really small. It's myself and Fernando. Um, and and the rest of the team are back-enders. client prospects direct or, or is it through? Not really. We go through partners. We try to establish um, really, really good relationship with partners. And we try to grow with them. And they like, it's not really a reselling we grow with our partners. Uh, it's something that we did at Easy Payment Gateway that I was in charge of, and I think we did very well. And that's why we grew very fast. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's all about timing, which we've spoken before, uh, also about commercials. Obviously, your API has to be easy because right now in the market, the standard is really high on technology and documentation, all this. But that has, that has to be a must. If you don't have a good documentation, they're not going to even look at it. Uh, so... That's the first thing. After that is flexibility. What product do you have? What capabilities do you have? What can you offer me? And to do good partnerships, you need, you know, the, the partner need, need, needs to be incentivized to sell your product. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're really focusing a lot in partnerships to grow fast. Because at the end of the day, it, we only, it's only two people with eight hours a day and we cannot now, the good thing also about fintech is that the market is huge because with one license, you can tackle all of Europe. Right. Uh, and if you only have two people in sales, like it's the Vengo's case, um, you cannot focus going to the final merchant. It, it's, it's really difficult. Obviously, if we go to events, if we go to shows, uh, we meet with people more than happy to, to sign a direct agreement. But normally, we do it through partners. And your partners, the kind of marketplaces you mentioned, right? Correct. Correct. Moving on to second, uh, two more topics. And my next topic really is around um, kind of broader discussion in, in um, the payments and fintech space with regards to product market fit. I'm curious what, in your, based on your experience in, in, in our sector, what does product market fit look like? At the end of the day, that's, that's, that, that's the entrepreneur spirit you need, you need to have. I mean, you need to have a, faith, you need to have faith, you need to jump, you need to have this type of uh, attitude that you need to build a product, go to the market and be able to tweak it and, and test it. Obviously, what's the ideal situation? The ideal situation is that before you invest any money, you talk to 50 prospects, you tell them what you're going to build, and but that that doesn't happen. That happened once in 100 that, 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 you know, the probability of people telling you what they want and you building it after, it's but correct. Is there a moment in the Davengo story or, or Easy Payment story where you actually said, you know, said to yourself, yeah, I think, we, I think we've actually got the traction we're looking for? There's different phases in companies. You know, right. when you are a startup, startup, you have 10, 15 clients. And when you are a huge company, when you're Google, you can be client-driven. Of course, you yep. can. You have the time, you have the brand, people are going to wait for you. When you are a startup and you compete against Google, 
You need to offer your clients something that Google doesn't offer them. So mm. shine for you. You need to offer something different. Many times it's pricing. Pricing, the thing about pricing is that it's not sustainable in time. At the end of the day, someone will offer something cheaper than you. So you need to create a lot of value. Um, so for me, this is something very personal. For me, time to market or, or go to market or validation is like when you speak to people from the industry and they tell you, yes, I have this pain. I have this pain. Like for example, for me, for payouts before joining the, the, the Vengo project, I spoke to a lot of my network telling them, okay, what's your issues now in payment? No, for me, payouts. I want to send money instantly to here. I want to, you know, if I could improve with this, I could reduce this. That's for me, is validation. Now, right. a different story is, is timing. You know, a different story right. is, okay, when is your market ready to buy you? Because there are companies that are really advanced and, and they will do things before others, you know? Uh, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, a market, a go-to-market strategy, you need to have, you, isn't, if you get to a market too early, you're going to have few customers, even though you know it's a need, the service is a need, but you really need the, the big part of the, of the pyramid to buy your product. Yeah. Um, so and I think that comes with education. Uh, I mean, coming back to the beginning of our conversation, an easy payment gateway, we were telling people you can reroute transactions, no code, and people are saying, what's that? Well, why, why does a pay credit card fail? I don't, I don't get it. That, that doesn't make sense. I, I, if I use one Aquara, I can take cards from China or from the US. No, it doesn't work like that. So uh, now people understand and everyone buys, everyone knows that cards are not perfect, blah, blah. The thing is, you always need to educate the market. If you put a market fit. So, um, to, to finish with the, with the idea. So if you are starting something new, uh, that's really something new, not something that's already established that the market is educated and it's already ready and there's a lot of suppliers, uh, you need to do a, a process of education that it takes time. And normally in business, in B2B side projects, normally it's, it's like this because you're always replacing someone so you need to explain why you're better, why not. And so it's, it's not, I mean, typically if you read this uh, starter books, it's going to say once you have like 15,000, 100,000 uh, MRR a month, monthly revenue, you're, you have product market fit. Yes. Okay. Um, the, the, these are, but this is what I was saying before. I, I read all these books. I like them. They're good to, to have to make your ideas, but you need to make your own decisions. And you need to know how to differentiate where, what, what vertical you're in, what phase your company's in. Because if you're doing something really new, getting 50K of revenue a month, that's really tough. It's really, really tough. If you don't have a brand, it's even tougher, you know? So it's not only education, but reputation. If, here, my, my specialty is payments. So it's, it's a mix of both. You need reputation. I've, we at the beginning in the Vengo, when I joined, I spoke to many companies that have told us, you, we, we love what you have, but we cannot work with you until you are fully regulated. You're fully licensed. Okay. Um, others I've experienced myself that in easy payment gateway, they didn't want to buy our product or connect to us because they were scared that in two, three years, we are startup. We're going to go bankruptcy. So. I'm not going to work with a provider that's new in the market. So normally that's why. Normally these these books, they're good to know them, but they normally are general ideas. 
that after you need to get those ideas and put them into your own vertical and get your own um you know strategy tactics and 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 you know and and learnings you need to get your own learnings from 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 these books but at the end of the day you know education in a in a b2b is really tough uh selling cycles are always long um and and if you want to sell to huge corporates even more uh, which at the end of the day also some something really a good advice to someone in a b2b space would be to try and always get any strategic client so if if in payments for example for us it was amazing to sign william hill or eDreams. then all the travel agencies all the all, all these guys they want to speak to us when we got william hill as a client all the gambling, the big gambling merchants wanted to speak to us. Uh, so in the angle, we we're trying to do the same. We're, we're trying to get like strategic clients in different verticals. And you can then communicate. I'm working with this company, with that company. Others will come. Then it's like a validation. And, and when we're dealing with money, it's very important, critical to get this reputation recognition. Final topic. I know you're continuing with your seed investment. So just curious to wrap up our conversation with some thoughts around uh, the current environment, but also, you know, what, what are you actually looking for? What, what areas do you find currently interesting and what's your overall approach? I normally start because people, you know, I, I get, I got some reputation in, in the payment space. So normally I get people that approach me through LinkedIn or events and they say hey would, would you like to see the the project would you like to invest in these early stages um right now in europe i don't see this much of new projects i've been recently been advisoring in a project in south america which all the, with you know this orchestration and payments is really a pain because in europe we have europe which one regulation but in latin america you have 16 countries, each of them different. Uh, you know, it's it's super interesting. Um, I also um, here see a lot of projects uh, about compliance, KYB, KYC, which is, I think it's going to be the next like big thing because regulation is becoming tougher and tougher. Compliance, open a bank account in Europe is not easy. Uh, we read news every day uh that central banks are closing down licenses so the compliance if we thought right now that oh getting past a kyb a kyc is difficult i think it's only going to get worse so uh i think it's going to be a huge pain and you know opportunities are these type of thing when when there's a huge pain there has to be a huge opportunity uh so if someone creates like a good uh onboarding process smooth fast oof, and obviously cheap if, if possible. I think in the next few years, we're going to be a lot, a lot of uh, these type of projects um, that's related to finance, fintech and all this, because it's it's really a pain. Huh? It's really, it takes right now, in my, in 2015, when we were in Gateway, it was like one month to get on board a client in PayPal. Now, two months and, and, and to open like a bank account or a settlement account, poof, it's really difficult. You need to really explain where your UBOs are, what's your business, what are you going to do? Uh, be updating the information of your UBOs. You know, it's it's really an ongoing project. It's not like I've done the compliance. Okay, no, 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 Raul, now really um, central banks uh, are taking this really serious. They they do really important audits. Mm, so it's gonna be it's gonna get difficult. It's gonna get difficult. So I see those type of projects that are gonna be 
really interesting to see. Uh, I, there's a lot of people doing neo banks. I don't see that going anywhere. You know, with Revolut, N26, all Monzo, all these guys, I think that market is dead completely. I don't think it's going to be nothing happening there. Um, I think like super apps are going to be something important. I haven't seen those still any of those like the wallet of wallets you know right now we all have different wallet in in, in on our mobile phones um actually apple and and google are the ones like trying to do that um but and, and i think also that more and more companies like brands like nike for example they are going to become like fintechs and payment regulated companies um google started it Amazon has already the license. I think they all, Klarna actually has done it, but the other way around. Klarna was a fintech, and now Klarna is also a marketplace. So if you want to, if you want, you go into Klarna website now, you see all the all his clients, all the clients using Klarna, and you can buy in those shops inside Klarna. You know, so it's it, Klarna has done it the other way around, and they're, they're super smart. Those guys, they've done, they they were a fintech that are becoming into a brand, and now brands are becoming fintechs, and I think it makes. A lot of sense because at the end of the day we, we spoke during all our conversation about trust and branding and if you have the users why am i gonna for example if i am nike why am i gonna do a redirection to paypal or to whatever wallet if the the, the customer is mine the most valuable thing is the customer so why am i gonna send them to another brand why don't i get my own license and it's all my experience i don't need to spend that much money in wallets in acquiring when i can get my own license you know and it brings value to my company also so uh, i think that's also something that's 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 going to happen like uh big brands becoming becoming fintechs last question um around the current environment do you think we're coming out the fintech winter there's a lot of discussion or expectation around consolidation what are your thoughts i think um i mean my startup was bought by a bank um, Fernando, the CEO of, of Devengo, his startup Plazame was also bought by the bank. Uh, so I think that consolidation is going to happen, um, but not as quick as we think. Because at the end of the day, buyers normally are huge companies. I'm not going to say any more banks because also Stripe is starting to do things and other, like, no anymore startups are trying to buy other small companies. But normally, when, when a huge company buys a small one, it, it doesn't evolve anymore. It, it's stays there um so consolidation is going to happen but but it will it will be slow uh what i think is also is happening now is all these um this in, investment uh, and valuations coming down uh which is also makes a lot of sense um i think projects that are starting like the Vengo and many others in seed pre-seed series a they're not going to suffer i think those projects can get funding at, at the at the correct valuation, what I think is the guys like the Klarna guys, rounds B, Cs, Ds, Es, all these, they are gonna suffer because at the end of the day, when you are so big, the 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 investors, private equities, venture capital, they value you according to your numbers. You are not anymore a startup. So, what has changed is the mentality of the venture capital or the investors. They're now not, they're not, now what they see is like if you are a, a normal company, like they see your numbers, they see your margins, they see all this. And I, I speak to a lot of VCs and they were telling me this, like in the old days, they used to see growth 
okay, what are you growing every month? Uh, and now they look into margins. What is your margin per sale? You see? And, and now they prefer. And I, 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 I really makes sense because cash is king right now. Um, so what they're doing is they prefer a company that grows 50% a year, but has really good margins that in the old days where startups were growing 100% every year, but losing money <laughs> on every sale, you know? So I think after two, three years, it's going to be like a balance. It's, it needs to be like both. You need to look at growth, but you also need to have, it needs to, your business model need to make sense. It cannot be just, okay, let me acquire users, users, customers, customers, customers. No, you need to make money and have a, a break even strategy at some point. You know, I see these companies with 15 years still losing money. I don't get it. I really don't. I really don't get it. When you've been 15 years in an industry, you need to make money. No, <laughs> I, I I think uh, um, if I was an investor, I would be worried. But, you know, after 15, 20 years, you cannot be grow, 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 grow. Come on. You need to make some money and you, you need to have margins. Um, if not, it's a very risky, uh, very risky strategy right now. You need to have like a break even strategy after six, seven years in fintech. That makes that may make sense. Seven years, eight years, you know. Um, so I I see that a lot of companies are going to suffer because they don't have like a correct business model. Okay, um, fantastic. Look, I've been really interesting speaking to you. Lots of insights. Thank you so much. Uh, wish you all the best for Devengo. Um, what's the best way of contacting you? Oh, through Jose at Devengo.com. Um, more than happy to to speak. Also in, in my LinkedIn, which is my name. Uh, and thank you very much for the, for the invitation let's catch up again soon thank you yes looking forward to it thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode to hear more interviews please do subscribe on Apple Spotify or your podcast platform of choice it helps and means a lot also I welcome any questions ideas or suggestions so feel free to make contact and say hello reach out to me on LinkedIn or at edgardun.com you can send me a message there or you can email me on martin.coderish at edgardun.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you next time.